Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O-Line Media presents The History of Being Black. Time for another episode of The History of Being Black. I am Eunice Elliott. And as you know, as a loyal listener of The History of Being Black, I am joined each episode by someone I admire, respect, or just want to get to know a lot more about. We have some of the coolest folks that join us on the show, and today is no exception. I've actually known this man for many, many years, whether I ever call him or not. (laughs) I have known him for many years. Welcome to the History of Being Black, Gary Burley. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gary. Well, thank you for having me on today. Well, thank you. Now, first of all, I've known you for years based on my background in sports and your background in sports. So um, instead of me reading your bio, how do you sum up your career, your life to where you are today? Because you have a lot of different layers of who Gary Burley is. Well, I start out with a retired uh, NFL player who uh, is now an advocate for cancer and kidney uh, transplant. Mm-hmm. And uh, education for kids has just been my life's work since uh, since I've recovered from all my health issues. So let's talk about your health issues. You have unfortunately have had several challenges. You mentioned uh, cancer. You mentioned kidney. Uh, I've had an opportunity to talk to you before about your kidney transplant journey. And not only did you go through that yourself, as you mentioned, you've become an advocate to help other people have a better understanding about first getting screened for kidney issues in advance. Well, talk to me about how did you go from being ill yourself to your recovery to being such an active advocate? Well, you know, when I was diagnosed with kidney uh, disease, I went on dialysis for three and a half years. So I got a chance to really learn about the pros and cons of what you need to do to uh, market yourself for a new kidney. And by learning, when you say market yourself for a new kidney, what does that mean? That means ask by any means. Mm. Like you did an interview for me and uh, so did Paul Feinbaum and all these other people and uh, channel uh, 42 here. And I had friends make videos for me. So what I do is turn around, taking all that information and turn around and share it with other people that are going through this same journey. And see, lots of people don't understand that you just can't wait to put your, put your name on a list to get a kidney because there's 150,000 other people out there that are doing the same thing. So if you don't, apply yourself by marketing yourself, uh, you, you will wait for 10 years before you get a kidney. So, you know, we can cut that down, that time frame down by marketing ourselves and asking. And you ask by any means possible. And you mentioned you had some friends do some videos. I remember one video in particular, was it Condoleezza Rice? Yeah, Condi did, did a video for me. As a matter of fact, Condi is, is working with us to get her, uh, down here so we can have a golf tournament. But to make a long story short, that was the first video that that was done. And then I had my coaches, uh, former college coaches and uh, former NFL teammates make videos for me. And 
ask for a kidney for me and the whole nine yards. So it turned into a whole marketing campaign. And that's why I say you have to market yourself because if, if you don't do it, nobody's going to know you need it. And I learned so much about the process from speaking to you about this before. So it's not only just marketing and letting people know that you need a kidney. It's so much that goes into one people being willing to be a living donor, which I, I had never thought of that terminology before, being donor to donate a kidney. But then it's not just a blood match. It's a, it's a lot of different things that still has to line up. So you did all this marketing. You're fortunate to have some really high profile friends that helped you with some of this. But ultimately, you end up receiving a kidney from somebody you already knew, right? Well, I, I tell you, Eunice, it, it was amazing because I had no idea. I knew they were going to be tested, but, you know, people will tell you I'm getting tested and they get tested and, you know, they might not be a match. Right. So anyway, uh, make a long story short, we went out to dinner. I wanted to thank my uh, transplant coordinator for everything she'd done for me throughout this whole process. So we decided to take her out to dinner. We went out to dinner and uh, Gerilyn and Gerilyn Agee, who was Dr. Agee's wife, uh, who was my kidney donor, she was there. And, you know, I had to go to dialysis the next morning at four o'clock. So my mind wasn't totally on this dinner. So anyway, make a long story short. You actually were a little annoyed that they had you out late. Yes. You had to get yes. up the next morning. Yes. <laughs> and I, I don't want to tell them that today, but <laughs> that's what was happening. So anyway, we're sitting there and she gives me this uh, booklet. And it says, I'm so glad that we are both have bobbies and we both root for this team, that team. And make a long story short, she says, at the end, I am oh so positive to be your match. And I didn't read that part. Mm -hmm. So then <laughs> I'm sitting there at the table thinking, oh, my God, how long is this dinner going to last? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Daji, who is my kidney cord transplant coordinator, she goes, Gary, what are you doing on Friday? I said, Daji, you know what I'm doing on Friday. I'm going to Dallas at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm coming back home to go to sleep. She said, well, why don't you just stop by? UAB hospital and get a kidney transplant. Wow. And it hit me right then and there. I started crying fiercely. I couldn't stop. And I turned around and everybody was patting me on the back and all this. And they asked, I mean, strangers were coming up to me because this big guy sitting in here in the middle of Perry's restaurant crying. And they asked me what's going on. I said, that lady's going to give me a kidney. <laughs> and that's how it happened. That's how I found out. And uh, two years ago, I got a new kidney and a new life. Thanks to Geraldine Agee. And that's what's amazing is that these were people you already knew. And as you mentioned, just because someone gets tested doesn't mean they're going to be a match. So tell me what all is involved in the test. Like what all does she have to match with you in order to be a, a good donor? Well, like you say, you have to be a, a, a blood type match and then you have to be a tissue match. Mm. And that's all you need, those two things. And so if there's people out there listening that may be considering being a donor, it's it's the saying is what it's what it means. It means share your spare because you live perfectly without both kidneys. Share your spare. Okay. That's, 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 that's the term that we use. <laughs> because we feel like if it's in here, we don't, we don't <laughs> need that. Okay. I don't know if I would call it a spare, but that's interesting how people will get involved in being a living donor. And it's those things where you can live a healthy, full, long life with one kidney, whereas someone needs that kidney. So talk to me about when you when you have become a champion. Well, first, before you got sick, you were an athlete. So you used your body for a living. We'll talk more about that later. But when you actually started getting sick, 
were you always um, hyper aware of your body and how you were feeling because you were an athlete or, you know, a lot of times we miss warning signs or, or how would you tell our listeners to pay attention to know when it's time to start getting screened and tested? Oh, well, you, you want to do that anyway. But what I started noticing was I had this unusual swelling in my knee that wouldn't go away. And no matter what I did to it, like put ice on it or medications or what have you, nothing happened. So my wife looked at it one day. She said, you need to go to the doctor. And I went to the doctor and they said, you have to be tested for cancer. Hmm. And I'm going like, what? And I mean, just, just imagine you sitting there just like right now. And then I tell you, I'm your doctor. And I tell you, you need to be tested for cancer. Right. I mean, it just, it just takes you totally away. Especially because you're just coming in for a swollen knee. And exactly. I was as a former athlete, you just think it might be an old injury flaring up or something. Exactly. So anyway, make a long story short, I have these tests and they say, well, you have something called multiple myeloma. And the only thing that we can do is put you on chemo and uh, uh, get you a, a bone marrow transplant. So you have to have a bone marrow match. So this is how, let me explain to you how God works. Mm -hmm. They told me I had to have a bone marrow match and I go in to get tested for the bone marrow and I found out that I could use my own stem cells. Hmm. So I don't need a donor. So that was the beginning of the first miracle. So I do that and then I go on, um, uh, we call it uh, chemo for a year. I was on chemo for a year. It didn't get any better and it didn't get any worse. So we got to the point of where we did the bone marrow. Uh, transplant. So I did the transplant. I was in the hospital for three months. And then when I get out, I have to go back in for another month because I contracted this uh, virus that started working on my kidneys. This is the first sign of the kidney problems. So after that was over with, and I healed up out of the hospital, uh, I went to the doctor, went to nephrologist, and they told me that I needed another kidney. They had to remove one kidney and I needed a new one, I needed a transplant. Wow. So, you know, I'm thinking, I just got done with cancer now, what is this all about? Right. So uh, we went through that. And like I said, I was on dialysis for three and a half years. And then my miracle lady, my earth angel, gave me the kidney. And here I am today, being a, 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 a helping other people get through this situation because it's nothing easy. I mean, you have to have a, a mental frame of mind. You have to have a work frame of mind. You got to be able to do all these things while not worrying about, you know, what your sickness is. You just have to focus on getting that new kidney. And that's what I try to preach to everybody. So when you say just get checked anyway, is there a certain age where people just need to start having certain health screenings? Is it more or less if you're, you have a family history? Like I think historically in our community, we don't have an overwhelming trust of, you know, the healthcare system in general. But, you know, for folks that are listening that might have that little, that little thing, that little swelling in a knee or a little something that they feel is not quite right, but they don't feel comfortable going to the doctor, you know, a lot of what the mortality rate, especially with something like cancer, and especially in our communities, is a lot of times due to late diagnosis. Well, I'll tell you what, um, the thing that saved my life was an early detection. Mm -hmm. That swollen knee, you, you have to go get a check ASAP. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing with, like you say, with our, with our community, <laughs> unless you're just dying or sick, people just don't want to go to a doctor. 
but it's a simple blood test, a creatinine test that'll tell you your kidney function. And that's all you got to do is go in and get the blood test and pee in a cup and, and that's it. That'll tell you where your kidneys are functioning, uh, what your creatinine levels are, and that there, there you go, right there. Once a year, you should do that. I love that you say that. And even in thinking about how we do feel about going to the doctor, we might feel like, you know, we don't trust it or we're afraid, but sometimes it can just be feeling like we're being inconvenienced. Like then I got to find parking. And then I, you know, and it's like, we're talking about our lives here. A lot of times we, myself included, we become so flippant. How did you maintain, you mentioned having that mentality to be able to go through all of your challenges. And once you felt like you were coming out of the end of your cancer battle, then you had the kidney challenge. How, how do you keep so strong mentally and how, what could you say to someone who might be going through their own health challenges right now? Because a lot of it is the mental portion of it, of healing. Well, you know, a lot of that came from my football training. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn how to focus on that one thing that you need to do. And, you know, football is football, but life is life. And when you, when you think that you could not be here, you'll do everything you possibly can. A lot of people just have to be scared. And, and that's unfortunate that we do that. But like, like I said, you know, that big fluffy puffy knee was the start of it. If that wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have went to the doctor until later. But that happened. And I said, okay, let me get to the doctor. But my training in sports uh, and, and my wife being behind me 100%, that, that's what got me through this. You know, when I look over and saw her face, Every morning while I was in the hospital working on keeping people's power on uh, in, the, in, in, in Atlanta and, and uh, Alabama, I'm saying like, wow, if she can do that, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, can, I, can, I can work through with my doctors and, and find a way to get back to normal. And that's what I did. And you mentioned your wife. She's an extraordinary woman. Um, you mentioned- she is. Folks, powers on. She used to be a big time executive with Alabama Power and Southern Company, and now she is the president of Miles College. It's amazing uh, because you know I've seen all all of everything she's ever done, every accomplishment she's ever made. I've been by her side uh, for thirty seven years, as you mentioned. She was with Alabama Power, and she just retired like two years, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And she loves working with these kids at Miles College. I think she's the first female president in the history of the, in the 125 year history of the school. Wow. Well, they got, they got a great one um, because she's been able to bring in monies and relationships and donors that the school has never seen. I'd like to say I did not attend Miles College, but I'm a product of Miles College because that is where my parents met. Really? And, and got, got married. They were both students there at Miles College. So I always say I'm a product. So I have a very um, close relationship and love for the college myself. But when you refer to your wife, I want to make sure our listeners understand your wife is a whole standalone, separate topic and podcast <laughs> in it to herself. So now uh, a lot of the advocacy work you do, a lot of it is about um, early detection, you know, information, communication. Talk to me about the any disparities you've noticed just in the difference of how healthcare is managed in our community specifically. You're, you are fortunate in being a former athlete and also, you know, being in a certain level of a professional background that sometimes other people don't have. And so they don't either they don't have access or they don't think they have access. What is it that you've been able to learn since you've been on this advocacy journey? Well, I agree with you 100%. You know, I, I had a lot of, 
had a lot of benefits uh, in my marketing campaign because I was a former athlete. And what I've learned is that, you know, social media, uh, bumper stickers, people can use anything that they have access to and they can market themselves and they need to do that because without that, you have no, you have no other choice. You either get on a list and wait for 10 years or you just don't, you know? And so I, I, I advise everybody that I know to, to get, get busy marketing, get busy asking, don't, don't, Ask strangers, ask family, ask anybody you can for that kidney. And don't be ashamed to do it. And a lot of our people don't know how to ask. You know, it's, 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 it's not an easy ask, but once you do it two or three times and you know it's going to save your life, you'll be able to do it. I, I guarantee you. I was going to say, I don't know how. I don't even like to ask people to give me a ride to the airport. I could not imagine <laughs> asking somebody for a kidney. But like you said, when you get in that situation and it's life or death, you're going to figure that thing out. Yes, you will. So tell me about your golf tournament that you have coming up. I've, Like I said, I've known you for years. And even before you were on this health journey, you were always raising money. You've always been philanthropic in nature. Tell me about this golf tournament you have coming up. Well, um, you know, my nonprofit, Pro Start Academy, it's a sports and academic academy where we teach kids not only the fundamentals of the sport, but also what is it going to take to get in college and stay there once they get there? Uh So once my wife became president of miles, she asked me, how would I support their sports program? And I said, well, let me think about it for a while and and I'll get back to you. So I thought about it. And then I said, why don't I develop a scholarship that uh, honors uh, not only the kids, but also honors my former coaches in the NFL and college and teammates who are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So we're honoring them with this scholarship. So five kids will get a scholarship, girls and boys, uh, and hopefully an internship from some of our corporate sponsors. And then we'd like to duplicate that effort at other HBCUs. So how, how, how can we get more information on how to support, support this golf tournament that's coming I, up? I can send you all you need. Okay. So we'll, okay. we'll, we'll put that on the on the um, Instagram page and, and people who are listening to the show will be able to know how to support Pro Start and what you're doing. Because as you mentioned, it's not just for Miles College. It's something that you are creating the model for to then be able to support other HBCUs and young people looking to further their education and get work experience. Um, exactly. So um, on, a, on our show, when we are wrapping up our conversations with our new best friends, uh, our guests who come to the show, we like for our listeners to end the podcast and feel galvanized, feel activated, feel like, okay, they can hashtag be the change. And so if you could give us one suggestion, one thing that anyone listening to the podcast today could do in order to be effective in the communities, whether it's health or whatever it is that you can see fit, you've always uh, been activated to do more in your community. What, What would be that one thing you would offer our listeners that they could do today or start doing right now in order to be the change? Well, like you say, everybody will do things in their own way. The easiest way for you to help healthcare is to uh, go on some of these um, sites, um, pages where people are asking for kidneys. Um, there's a couple of, of uh, uh, kidney-related, transplant-related uh, sites. So if you just go on there, start out with something small, like going on 
those sites and then sharing that that person needs a kidney. That'll be a start. Mm -hmm. Then you can volunteer at the hospitals. You know, if, if there's a, a kidney hospital, I mean, a kidney transplant center close to you, you can volunteer there or just give them a, a little time or donations or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest way to get into it. And then once you feel comfortable, you can go to the next level. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting idea. I love that for our listeners and myself included to, even if it's just word of mouth, you have a different network than that person who might actually need the kidney might be on and you might not need a kidney or that might not be your potential challenge or struggle right now, but you have access to more people and just it's all about word of mouth and marketing to try to find that match. Um, so I love that idea. Thank you so much for for that, Gary Burley. Well, well Gary, I, I have a feeling you're going to be a friend of the history of being black. So I won't even ask you, will you come back? We'll just say this substitutes for me not calling you back. This is what we'll catch up. We'll talk, <laughs> and then that way, next time you, you see me, you can't say you don't call, you don't write. It's like you don't care. <laughs> well, I, I do understand that. I want to have you back on another episode to chat about your book. If you will okay, come sounds back. good. Sounds okay, because I'm excited about your book and I want to dedicate an entire episode to your book and what it's about. That's a tease. That's a tease. So that means everyone who heard this particular episode with Gary Burley, you got to come back for the next episode where we are going to talk about um, his book, Glory, The Struggle for Yards, which, um, well, that's the tease. Okay, we're going to talk about it on another episode if you agree to come back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary. And thank you so much, guys, for listening to another episode of The History of Being Black. Until next time, take care. The History of Being Black podcast is hosted and produced by Eunice Elliott. Associate producer, Ariel Mancibo. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the History of Being Black podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on IG and Twitter at History of Being Black. The History of Being Black podcast is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.